When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. When I deployed, I didn't realize that even the air I was breathing was dangerous. Since coming home, I've watched friends get sick and struggle to get the support they deserve. But now, that's finally changing. We're eligible for new VA health care and benefits based on when and where we served. Even though I feel okay, I'm going to apply. For my sake and for my family. Learn more and apply today. Visit va.gov pact. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, I'm doing just fine. Uh, another very exciting day within the MLB. I'm excited to talk about uh, the games that went down today is this National League wild card race in particular is heating up uh, and it's just going to be an absolute battle. And I can't wait to just see the results of these games every day. I mean, that's what I look forward to. I mean, just seeing how these teams have battled back since the second half has started is, is amazing. But yeah, LJ, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk baseball. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and start on in with the big story of the day. And that is that Milwaukee legend Ryan Braun has formally announced his retirement today. That's right. Uh, the longtime Brewers slugger announced his retirement as a player, thanking the Brewers fans and the organization. I believe they did a video announcement uh, shared by the team. Uh, he didn't sign with a club last offseason, but he hadn't formally retired prior to today. Uh, he's 37 year old, 37 years old now. Uh, he was picked by the Brewers with the fifth pick back in 2005. 
and really since he got drafted was touted as one of the highest prospects and then once he got into the league proved that he was one of the best players for quite a few years there uh sure he does have the little steroid uh you know years in there but for the start of his career he was an absolutely great hitter he remained a great hitter his entire for the rest of his career excuse me but those first few years he had he was an elite caliber player putting up over five war almost every year and Look, this is one of the guys like a Yachty Molina, like an Adam Wainwright, where when you're with the franchise for that long and it's your only franchise, you automatically become a fan favorite and, like you said, LJ, a legend. Absolutely. There's something about that consistency. It doesn't really matter what you did, what you do, per se. I mean, first off, you have to do great things to be able to stay with one team and have them give you the respect the contract respect that is required to be able to stay in one location for your entire career, but you don't even have to do in incredible things. This early, early career stretch was, it was indeed incredible for Ryan Braun, but he doesn't even necessarily have to do that when you have the longevity of 14 years in one place to get the backing of the fans, the fans are going to come. They're going to rally around the guy that, generations grow up watching like reasonably 14 years might be a bit of a stretch but you can go through many phases of somebody's life particularly if you start with that like 10 year old that's starting to get into baseball for the first time and this is right during his say let's call it his 2008 campaign where he put up 4.6 war or even start go go to 2011 all of a sudden you move up 10 years you're in 2020, you have very, very fond memories of this guy now that you're probably out of college, in the workforce, maybe starting to settle down and try to create a family. Like a lot happens in 14 years. And the fact that you can say that you've had one guy around for all of that is huge. Oh yeah. And it goes even further beyond that, I think, because you look at when the Brewers were created, and that was in 1969. Their first season was as the Seattle Pilots, uh, and then they moved to Milwaukee in 1970. Ryan Braun is, according to baseball reference, the third best player in Milwaukee Brewers history behind Paul Molitor and Robin Young. Pretty good company to be up there with. Pretty good company. And you're right. I mean, the consistency, 14 years is absolutely a a crazy amount of time. You know, I think of someone like Brett Gardner, who legitimately, since I started being able to comprehend and understand Yankee games, he's been there. And it's been 14 years that he's been on the team. And with the longevity, I believe he's top 20 all time for the Yankees in war which you wouldn't think, or he's, he's 22nd all time. I mean, you would think with all the great Yankees that he wouldn't even be close, but. Well, I, I, think, he, I think it's pretty clear to say 
Actually, I may be completely forgetting some year, so I'm not meaning to, as this is Brett Garner's slander, but you can make an argument that he was never really ever a top five player for the Yankees. Like on yes. their on or or at least top three on the team at any direct point in time. Uh and they've, 20- they've, they've had so many great players come through that those doors throughout the years that again, the longevity is what makes him stand out, not necessarily his play. Yeah, I mean, his 2010 season, he did have 7.4 war. So, I mean, Weeks I, yeah, I would say that he was top, at least top two or three on the team that year, probably behind Robbie Cano, because that's the year that Jeter got hurt. But, um, yeah, I mean, Ryan Braun, you know, I don't think that he – even if he didn't have that steroid suspension, he wouldn't make the Hall of Fame, especially with the Actually, way that we, I was about we, to ask that does he have a makes case? There's there's no case. There if there was if if not a single player got in last year, Ryan Braun is not as good as Andrew Jones. Ryan Braun's not as good as Scott Rowland. He's not as good as Billy Wagner. He's not as good as Todd Helton. I mean, these are all guys that didn't even get into the Hall of Fame. I can't, I can't justify it. I don't even I, think well, he was as good as Dustin Pedroia. You don't want to be fun and at no, least no, no. give the guy a case because if you if you take the again take take the PAD suspension and shove it in a box somewhere, um, we can agree that this is a five year. There's a five year stretch in here where Ryan Braun was one of the baddest men on the planet with a baseball bat and that certainly says something you look at the numbers compared of course to the averages for fielders is not entirely that far off you look at the seven-year peak statistic between him and the average left fielder it's only about three war off so from a statistical standpoint i think you can make the case but you know the the lack of the longevity with a lack of accumulate cumulative stats, as well as the other things surrounding him are what pushes him out of the hall of fame conversation. Not He's a hall of very, very good. I'll say that. Yeah. Not, he, not, not, not necessarily the fact that guys that are still on the ballot didn't get in last year. So he doesn't ever deserve to get in. Um, it's the lack of, yeah, honestly, the fact that 14 years, only 350 home runs, which I was 14 very, years, not even 2000 hits. Wow. He was close. Yeah. But you see, he like started off as a contact hitter and then he started selling out for power more in late in his career. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I mean, he did have, I mean, over 200 career stolen bases is pretty impressive too, honestly. That's like, what, well, yeah, 20 for 162-game average. And you look at these seasons, LJ. All right, we'll take out the 2013 season and we'll take out the 2020 season. He basically played 12 full seasons with the exception of 2017. Yep. Didn't miss a lot of time. Uh, 
And even these years where he kind of stopped getting MVP votes and silver sluggers, he was still, he was still a pretty productive hitter. I mean, there was not one point in his career where you didn't mind having him in your lineup. It's never a bad thing to say that throughout my entire career, I was never below average. Yeah, no, not at all. Consistently in that 750 above range in terms of his OPS, that that is all, all you can necessarily ask for. Stolen bases, the way I look at it, it is impressive. It shows the skill because particularly for some of these superstars, the still stolen bases are a young man's game. The, especially once they start hitting for power, they're more focused on staying healthy, being able to be out in the field, being able to perform at the plate. Stolen bases become an afterthought. That's why you usually start to see them go by the wayside after they turn 30. But he was still stolen base at a very consistent level throughout his career, which again just shows an overall mastery of the sport rather than trying to be physically dominant about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, you know, that's a great point, uh, especially for a guy who's a corner outfielder, you know, you don't see a lot of corner outfielders uh, stealing bases. So, I mean, look, he's going to be remembered very fondly by Brewers fans. Uh, and I mean, it's, I, I think it's great that we get to celebrate his career. Uh, LJ, what do you think? Or will the Brewers retire his number in the future? Yes oh, or no? Oh, easy. Easy? He deserves it. Yeah? I mean, again, it's not like – I'm not meaning disrespect towards the Brewers here, but it's not like you have to be hyper-selective with the numbers you retire. Let's see who, whose number they have retired. They have retired – Paul Molitor, number four, Bud Selig, number one, Robin Yout, number 19, Raleigh Fingers, number 34, Hank Aaron, number 44, and of course, Jackie Robinson. Uh, I mean, if they have Paul Molitor and Robin Yout on there, like I said, Ryan Braun's number three, according to baseball reference for their best all-time players, I'd have to assume that he's going to get uh, his – number retired uh but yeah what yeah, it's just it's an interesting position for them to be in they'll really have i think this is a, all right trying to figure out the best way to phrase this the, the odds of his number getting retired will decrease every single year after he retires the sooner they do it the better i i mean because i think you have a lot of potent, potential in terms of number retirement here. I mean, of course, a couple of years ago, we would have said that about Christian Yelich. That's not really the same case right now. But Well, he's look, got a lot of years left. So. He does have a lot of years left. He could turn this back around and turn into a superstar again. But you look through just the starting rotation alone, Brandon Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, Corbin Burns, I don't mean to get – ahead of myself, Freddie Peralta. I don't mean to get ahead of myself, but there's a lot of really, really, really good pitching on this team when you, when you in factor in the bullpen as well, that there's a chance that we could see a bunch of guys from this current group stay around for a while 
and potentially be in that kind of mode of we want to retire his number. I mean, realistically, let's let's play the hypothetical that Josh Hader continues his on the, on the pace that he is on right now. If he stays in Milwaukee for seventy five percent of his career, he's easily retired, right? Yeah, I mean, if they retire, he's on a Hall of Fame track. Under, yeah, I mean, well, how old is he? Because that because that does matter a lot because. Hall of Fame for relief pitchers is all about counting stats. He's 27. He's 20, 20, all right, yeah. So and he was the fast wasn't he the earlier this year? He was the fastest to 400 strikeouts or whatever. Yeah, not by age though, by by games played. Yeah, but still, uh, again, that's that's still he's very, no Kimbrell coming in at like 22 or whatever, or 21. No, but he came at, he did come in at 23. The issue with him is he didn't really get fully stretched out out to being able to go back-to-back days until he was mm. 25 but with that being said he is only 27 right now and he is putting up records with a 15.3 strikeouts per nine I can certainly see his stats this year are disgusting I just yeah. they're just filthy this that 1.78 FIP is gross <laughs> gross he doesn't walk guys and he just strikes out 86 strikeouts and 50 innings, LJ. <laughs> he, he is that good. And again, it's one thing to be able to put up a 142 ERA in a 60 game season. It's another to be able to do it over 50 innings yourself. So he is he, he looks, probably he gonna looks, end he looks amazing. With, he's probably gonna end with a career high in games pitch too so yep <laughs> so we're looking at hater and then in a hypothetical scenario if milwaukee knows what they're doing and if these guys continue to pan out the way they look you got to think at least one more of these guys on this current team pitching wise probably a woodruff or a burns looks kind of poised to be in a situation where it could it could happen not necessarily hall of fame but a retirement. So all of a sudden we're, we're looking at what feels like the most star power that the Brewers have had in our lifetime. And that may be a hindrance towards them wanting to put Braun in. I really do think he should, if he's the third best He was player. like their only guy for such a long time. Like you kind of have, like they oh, all I know. teams always reward those guys. Like when, when you're the lone, like, <laughs> John Means better get something done by the Orioles. If he, if like he's good the next two years when the Orioles are bad still. Uh, they, they, like Alex Cobb did, like. Uh, Felix Hernandez, like uh, so is many. There, is there other Orioles pitcher that they've blown through in this like 15-year rebuild? Dylan Bundy, Kevin Gosman, Jake Arrieta. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just I, I just worry that they're gonna get a little bit too big of a head and start to say, okay, we need to really be conservative with what numbers we retire. Let's go to only Hall of Famers. And that that would be a that would be a mistake, I think, for this market. That would be a mistake not reading the room. Realistic realistically, he'll probably be retired by next year. So I, I don't I don't think my theory of decreasing is really gonna have to be tested that much. LJ, we talk about what would happen if Adelise Garcia and Randy Arozarena were on the Cardinals. 
What if when the Astros traded for Josh Hader in 2013, they never traded him to the Brewers? Stop. No. Traded with Adrian Hauser, Brett Phillips, and Domingo Santana to the Brewers for Mike Fires, Carlos Gomez, and Cash. That was July 30th, 2015. So deadline day, 2015. Was Fires on the 2017 team? I forget. Yes. And he was, he was probably the worst pitcher on that team. But still, that is an impact. Is it is is the where is it? Is the five two two ERA an impact over hundred fifty innings? Did you get into a postseason game? Let's or see. I hope not. If they had Charlie Morton and Dallas Keuchel and uh, Lance McCullers and I think Brad Peacock was there too, I hope he didn't get into a postseason game. <laughs> No, he didn't. They literally left him off the roster. He still made an impact to that team, so that drastically. I mean, 150 innings is 150 innings. That's a lot. Yeah. Can you imagine if he hadn't led the league in hit, hit by pitches? How drastically that could have changed Houston's season? That's that's the reason why why he didn't pitch in the playoffs because he hit 13 back. <laughs> <laughs> um look, yeah, that's an interesting case. I think overall they, uh, that that trade created much more exciting teams purely because a hater would be too much of a luxury. A lot like the Dodgers have right now. Now this might just be me and there's no fair way to rebalance it out. They're fully within their rights to do this. But Hater having Hater being in Houston is very similar to the amount of spoils that the Dodgers have right now. And we see now, realistically, you have to admit, maybe not this year, but in years past, the Brewers wouldn't be nearly as exciting as they are or have been without Josh Hader. So you're taking a wrinkle away from the game by putting him on a team that's already loaded and it's already plenty of exciting. I would love to seriously think about what would happen if a bunch of these guys weren't on the Dodgers right now. Well, like, I've got a good if Justin one. Justin Turner was still a Met. What if Jordan Alvarez never got traded from the Dodgers in 2016? Imagine if instead of Albert Pujols, it was Jordan Alvarez as their backup first baseman. Like some of these teams, it's crazy how even the teams that are successful now traded away legitimate superstar players that they could have just like if they didn't do anything, like if they just chose to not screw with them at all, not touch them, they could have potentially legitimate superstars. It, it's well, it's think, crazy when you see these prospects included in deals and then you look back and you're like, your Don Alvarez got traded. Like, how could they ever trade this guy? Were they watching him in the minors? <laughs> well, I think it's also interesting too because with Jordan Alvarez, I think I can make an argument over the fact that he wouldn't be the backup first baseman. No. How can you draft lineup? No, Gavin Gavin Lux does not exist in this lineup. 
let's 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 throw the Seager trade out. Seager Scherzer trade out because that wasn't the starting lineup of the year. Jordan Alvarez at first, and uh, Max Muncy at second. That's that's very good. That's a very good lineup. And then you somehow have to fit Chris Taylor in there and Trey Turner. Or no, not Trey Turner, but Chris Taylor and Taylor Center. Oh wait, shoot. Ballinger bets Taylor spots. You run out of spots fairly quickly. Again. AJ Pollock is the piece that just it doesn't fit. And it, it feels like that's always it. Oh, and then you forgot about the guy who got plenty of playing time in the playoffs last year, Edwin Rios. When he comes back, LJ, look at his stats. Go and look at Edwin Rios' stats. I, he was hurt this year. His stats are bad this year. Look at his 2019 and 2020 stats. This dude was on another planet. He has a zero OPS plus this year. All right, he was hurt this year. You got to look at. You got to look past that. I know I have to look past that. It doesn't mean it's not good. That those are very good stats. For yeah. thirty game, for thirty games. Again, he didn't even get to our two hundred. I just love our insight that the Dodgers are good. They have a bunch of good players. <laughs> they're stacked. No way. It's not like they're favorites to win the World Series, and they won it last year. <laughs> they're favorites to win the World Series for the probably like the fifth year in a row. <laughs> Since 2017, they've been, there's no way that they weren't favored in 2018. They were well, ooh. they've right, legitimately I, I, had a top three team in the league every year for the past five years. Oh, I know, but didn't the Red Sox end up with a better record? No, I mean, like heading into the season, the Dodgers were oh, probably yes, yes, the yes, favorite, yes. like they were, heading they, into the favorite. Yeah, they've definitely been the favorite since at least 2017, each if not. The Astros, like people were probably picking the Astros some years there. Either way, either way, you can't you can't tell me anyone's picking another team out of the National League ever. 2019, people were definitely taking the Dodgers. The favorites are always the Dodgers and the Yankees, and only one doesn't disappoint. All right, on to Seattle. So <laughs> uh LJ, uh, you know, for a team that has such a bad run a differential they lj they have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs like (laughs) this is not a joke lj the seattle mariners have a better record than oakland yeah oakland who you picked i believe to win the al west yes i did i still stand by the logic that i picked them by but they're they, they certainly are not the I thought they'd be. Um, yeah. That does Seattle matter. has the worst offense in the league and one of the worst starting pitching staffs in the league as well. Just keep that in mind as well. Oh, yeah. It's been a fantastic job over, over there being able to make this team work. That still doesn't mean I think they're an actual threat. Oh, I don't think they're a threat like to actually win a game, but I think they could. I don't, I don't think they're a threat to make the playoffs. Uh, you better check out the score right now, buddy, between the Red Sox and the Mariners. I don't care what the score is right now. That, that doesn't change. It doesn't matter that if Seattle wins, they're only a half game behind the Red Sox, right? Yes, but wouldn't that also mean that they are a game and a half or two games behind Toronto? 
Toronto lost tonight. No, this is updated. Toronto's MLB.com is updated. All right, so Toronto's 81 and 64. Seattle heading into this game was what? They were seven. And they're 78 and 66. All right, so that all right, so they still be two games behind Toronto. All right, but they still be in the that's the number two wild card spot, right? What? Seattle would only be a half game out of the number two wild card spot, no? If they win tonight? Yeah. A game and a half. At 79 and 66. Oh, yeah, there'd be at most a game and a half of the second wild card. Also <laughs> uh, look at that's look in at, it. The, they are in it. They're, no, it, it is impressive, but let's look at their let's look at their schedule. Okay. Because that means as much. So Red Sox. You have, you have the A's and the Angels. You have the A's twice and the Angels once in this next stretch. All right. But again, they got can they're at Kansas City. They have three, seven, 10, 13. And then to finish off the year. No, they have. All right. So they have the. Oh, you're right. They do have the A's and the Angels both twice. Because they play the Angels to wrap up the year. Okay, so they have 16 games left. If they go 11 and five, I, I think they make the playoffs, LJ. But the thing is, I don't, I don't think they're going 11 and five that that tough a schedule. So they play six against the Angels. If they go four and two against the Angels, which is not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable. It's also not easy. I think you're underplaying the fact that there's still good value on that team. That team has shown that they can beat. They just have to win one of the two series. That's all you have to do and split the other one. Or no. All right. So they have to win both series then. Okay. I mean, yeah. I just think I I look at that. It's not hard to win two series. It's when when it counts. And then I look at Toronto, who is easily the hottest team in the league right now. Mm -hmm. That has one more game with the Rays today. Yeah, today. Then they've got two with the Twins, and they do. Granted, they do have a Rays and a Yankees series before they have to play the Orioles. You then have the Boston Red Sox. If if you can't, if you're catching my drift, this is all about strength of schedule at this point, as far as I'm concerned. The Red Sox have the Orioles twice and the Mets. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. While also having the Yankees, the Orioles, Orioles twice, the Mets and the Nationals. The only tough matchup they have is the Yankees. Mets think that they're only a half game out. Like they're playing like they're only a half game out of the wild card. They finally realized like they're, 
they're about a month too late to actually start being good. But they did, they were just like, we're just going to win a bunch of crazy games in September. I mean, except for tonight, which was Elgin. I'm not sure how much you saw of the Cardinals Mets game. Yadi Molina and Daniel Ponce de Leon got into a altercation in the dugout. Uh, Ponce de Leon came in, walked three batters in a row, threw a wild pitch that allowed the runners to advance. Uh, manager immediately pulls him. Yachty goes back in the dugout. You can see him mouth like, dude, you got to throw your fastball for a strike. You have to throw it for a strike. Have to throw it for a strike. Just kept saying that. Ponce de Leon gets in his face. They got to break it up. Nolan Arenado just turns around, sees what's going on in the dugout, and just chooses to walk up to the on-deck circle, clearly unfazed. <laughs> uh, but to pick a fight with Yachty, I mean, you got to be – you got to have some balls to do that. <laughs> you have – I don't think it's necessarily balls as much as it is you are clearly – your head is too far into this game. Like, Especially after you just walked three batters in a row. I think Yachty knows what he's talking about. You have to be in some form of blind rage to be able to go after Yadier Molina. Especially after you pitched back. <laughs> but they won anyways. Uh, but, yeah, no, as for Seattle, I mean, in the playoffs, I mean, do we like a top, a top three of – Yusei Kikuchi, Logan Gilbert, and then you just throw a bullpen game with a mix of Marco Gonzalez, Tyler Anderson, Chris Flexen, Diego Castillo, uh, Sean Doolittle. They got Sean Doolittle? Yeah, they brought, grabbed him. Oh, on waivers. Okay. They got Matt Andrees. Yep. So they're just – geez, they are filling out this roster with just <laughs> – Guys who used to be good on other teams. Justice Sheffield. Are you, are you really having the audacity to say that Matt Andrews was good? All right, I, I didn't mean good. Just got just guys who on other guys, teams. Guys who were who had a jersey on other teams. Guys, guys are that is capable of throwing over seven miles an hour. LJ, you want to know who they gotta bring back? L J Newsom. Yes, sir. He has had elbow inflammation since May 8th, so I hope it's not inflamed anymore. But yeah, I, I, I just pulled up the Yankees schedule, too. And I guess I think I can make a case that not only is Seattle the least talented team of the group, but they've got the hardest schedule. It's either them or Toronto, and Toronto is so hot that I don't think it will matter. So the Yankees, what, they got the Orioles now? Yan Yankees have two more games against the Orioles. Blue Jays against Cleveland, three against Texas before playing all three contenders in the American League East. Mm -hmm. That's a that is that is a rough stretch. But actually, that no, that I changed my mind. That's probably the second hardest schedule. But I don't know. It just feels like Toronto. Toronto's schedule isn't necessarily hard with two two games against two series against Minnesota and a series against the Orioles. The Red Sox clearly have the easiest one of the group, especially when you consider they have another week till they play the Mets. So odds are by then the Mets will finally remember that they suck again and fall off. 
I'm not that concerned about them pulling out anything, any crazy stunts. You so, never know. It's, it's, oh, it's you never, you never know. It is LOL nuts. But either way, you've got the Red Sox have nine games against the Nationals and Orioles to end the year. Oh. What more can they ask for? So there's just, there isn't a good path for Seattle to ever get back in this. I'm out on Seattle. All right. right. Uh, Send it to the bank. Well, let's jump over to the National League then. LJ, you you specifically wanted to touch on this as, and I touched on it at the very top of the podcast. This NL race is just getting, like, every day it complicates itself threefold. Hmm. I, I mean, the Pirates are playing spoiler all of a sudden. And beating the, just beating Cincinnati, Wade Miley on the mound for the Reds, and he has one of the worst starts of his season against a lineup that, holy God, I mean, LJ, they don't have, they have one guy over an 800 OPS in their lineup. Wade, what's happening? People were picking you to win Cy Young at one point. Also, yeah, I wonder who those people are. Garrett Cole is still the favorite for AL Cy Young uh, after tonight. No, well, no, that's from the odds I saw today. And I was like, how is Robbie Ray not the favorite? But then I realized, like, after Garrett, after what Garrett Cole did tonight. Oh, yeah, but uh, LJ, what are we, what are we thinking of this, of this NL race? I mean, it's. It's muy bueno to start with. It is. Uh, we should, actually, we should start with the fact that the Giants were the first team in the league to clinch a playoff spot uh, yeah. after beating the Padres last night. Um, not a surprise. They've, no. been, they've been the best team in the league since late April and have not let up, uh, which is the biggest shocker of the year. LJ, I actually went back the other day. I was showing a friend – uh, how we made over-under predictions for every single team. I was looking at some of them, uh, and we're going to do an episode where we go over those picks that we made. Some of these over-unders we made, or at least I made, are could not be more wrong. One, for example, you'll like this. <laughs> I took the over on the Twins. Oh, no. Oh, Brandon. So that was not, not a good one. But, yeah, San Francisco clinched the playoff spot. They've won eight in a row. They're going to beat San Diego tonight, it looks like, uh, more than likely. Or they, they did just win. Okay. Um, And then behind them in the wild card, the Dodgers had the second spot pretty much locked up. And now, what, it's like a – it's a three-team race because we're going to count the Phillies out of it, right? Yeah. It's a three-team race. The Cardinals have won four in a row. The Padres have lost four in a row. And the Reds have lost three in a row. And they're all within a half game of each other. Meanwhile, St. Louis has completely come out of nowhere. Yeah, literally just chose – it's not even like they had a hot stretch. It was just like they were just playing 600 baseball 
for the span of like a couple of weeks. And when you go six and four in your last 10 for every game or for like forever, forever no one's going to really notice you're good, but you'll have a good record. <laughs> Is that fair? Yeah. Talk about uh run differential. They're still under. St. Louis. Yeah. Wow. They're still a minus 12 right now. Partially, of course, that shows how poorly the beginning of the year went. Seattle has six more wins than them and is minus 56. Yeah, I just, I'm glad to see this team get some form of success. Now, does it make me feel better about the future of the team? Maybe not, because I think this then become makes the questions a lot harder. Like, where you're going to be able to improve on this team depended a lot on where the obvious holes were. And with so many holes filling partially this year, like, granted, yes, the holes are filled. That's great. But are they filled with long-term pieces? A lot of the the cogs that are making this team work right now are filler pieces, uh, deadline moves that were only meant to solve the problem. So is this team off right off long term? I don't know. But overall, this is a really good stretch for them. And I think this also teaches a very important lesson that there you can ne- you should never blame a team for buying at the deadline. No. We we were certainly surprised that they were buyers, but they didn't go all out and go crazy. They get Jay Happ. Uh, they get John Lester. You know, guys that they needed. They literally said, they we need guys to fill innings for us. That That is it. We don't care how. It's like the Mike Fires thing we were talking about earlier. Just give us innings, John Lester. Go out there and throw six innings and allow four earned runs. We, we will take that every time. Because we have a corner, we have two corner infielders that are potential Hall of Fame players, a Hall of Fame catcher, a potential Hall of Fame starting pitcher. Uh, you know, the thing is, you're right, for the long term, I, I don't know where this team's going. This farm system, they have some good guys there, but I'm just scared that a lot of them aren't coming up for a while and besides that what are they going to do when Adam Wainwright retires I mean what other starting pitcher has given them good innings this year LJ a lot of these answers are going to have to come externally it's gonna they're gonna have to go free aid the there's gonna have to start spending more money which, which this hard team to isn't do. opposed to so but it's hard to do when you already have Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt's contracts yeah, but again, what if Arenado opts out after this year? He won't. Imagine. Um, the Joker. The uh, the St. Louis Cardinals are essentially the biggest little market in the sports world, so I have a feeling they'll be able to find the money somewhere if they want to make this team good. But it does, again, become where do you upgrade? Because if you have too much to upgrade, that becomes, that becomes a serious 
issue for your overall ability to fix the team ever because you can only fix fix spots unless you've got a young player for a finite amount of time you might only get three quality years out of a solution in one spot but rome wasn't built in a day so you're not gonna be able to fix the entire lineup in one year you're not gonna be able to put together a the perfect rotation in one off season so you have to figure out exactly where the actual spot of need is Brandon, where is it? Outfield. Mm. I, I love Tyler O'Neill, but other than that, all right, yeah, Dylan Carlson's been all right. And Mundo Sosa isn't bad when he's out there, but he's mostly a, your shortstop. Who else do you have out there that is giving you solid innings? Harrison Bader has been a shell of what we think he can be. Because we've seen him have very, very good stretches where he looks like he can be the future center fielder for this team. I mean, for this offense that has Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt to have the 26th most runs, the 23rd most home runs, I mean – this is a similar situation to the Yankees where it's like you need internal improvement, but where are you going to get it? You need external improvement, but you already have a lot of money tied up. But like you said, it's a big city, at least for baseball. They'll figure it out. But I mean, at the current moment, there's at least for the future, there is not a lot to be bullish about but lj uh to wrap up the show uh do we want to do another hall of fame pick i think we can do one here yeah let's run through mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner all right uh we have the toronto blue jays now remember our mlb daily hall of fame we pick a player from all 30 teams as a nominee uh there's really no set criteria just as long as they are in the organization we picked gms social media managers anything that has to do with a part of the team and we have toronto which presents us with a lot of exciting guys to pick from. Yeah, and it's like you definitely can and possibly should go with Vladdy, but is is it too obvious a pick? I was thinking the same thing. I mean, yeah, he's the face of that team, but Marcus Simeon has been almost keeping up with him he's almost got 40 home runs lj i mean there he's legitimately keeping up with him on the home run pace not the batting average and on base percentage but home runs he's keeping up with him let's not forget about bo bichette who is 
a phenomenal player. How about Teoscar Hernandez starting in the all-star game? I mean, that's no joke either. And he's been a really good player this year. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has been his past week, LJ. I don't know if you've seen what he's done. He was hitting 460 over his last like eight games or something. He's been tearing it up. We go to the pitchers. Robbie Ray has a legitimate case for AL Cy Young. Uh, and what's not there to like about a guy like Hyunjin Ryu, Jose Barrios uh, finally gets out of Minnesota and has thrived with the Blue Jays so far. And all these guys are fairly young. I mean, every guy I mentioned except for Robbie Ray is uh, less than 30 years old and Robbie Ray is exactly 30. So, you know, I... There's just so many different guys to pick from, but Vladdy is for sure the, you know, the top choice. And I don't think that, yeah, while it's obvious, I don't think I would feel bad picking him either whatsoever. I really we already have quite a bit of representation from superstars and that's what it's about. I mean, hall of fame usually indicates great success at whatever you're doing. Safe to say he's had great success. Yeah, but I really think we need to take more account into Marcus Simeon here because his story doesn't stop and start and end with, quote unquote, keeping up with Vladdy, which he certainly has done. He's done a fantastic job with that. He has been one of the best players in the, in the American League. He has been clearly an all-star, probably should get looks on an MVP ballots, all while being... It might be arguable, but I would feel I would feel I would not feel icky about saying best defensive second baseman in the American League this year. Statistic statistically, I can look to guys like that him. like an outs above average thing. Hmm? Is that like an outs above average? Um, I, I checked outs above average. He's not towards the top of that, but Brandon, you think about it. Can you remember a week in which he has had necessarily a down? weak defensively where his fielding hasn't been up to snuff it has been so incredibly reliable so incredibly 73rd percentile outs above average i mean that's it's pretty solid he ranks among american league second baseman he ranks fourth but that's the difference of one out above average so do it that way you will i just feel like there is a lot there on the the metrics, but then also from the personal side of taking his offseason into account. This is a guy who had to bet on himself this year, comes to Toronto, and not only plays great there, but betting on yourself like that, that's a big sacrifice. But he chose to do it here because he saw something, something that we're kind of seeing actually play all the way to fruition right now with this Toronto Blue Jays team, he was, he was so set on this team. He believed enough in this core group that he was willing to move from a shortstop to second base for the year to play on this team, to get a, get his chance at the payday next year, because he was totally fine letting the young guys get the reps on the left side of the infield. He came in, he filled his role great. Far, far better than the team anticipated and it's paying dividends for both sides 
It certainly is. Uh, he's going to get a huge contract this offseason. Uh, we talked about this on yesterday's show, but I mean, 2019, he finished third in AL MVP voting. Probably going to finish in the top. I, th I think he's going to finish third again. I mean, as of right now, my vote, and this is a little insight to our awards show when we get there, but as of right now, I'd go Otani, Vladdy, Simeon as my top three in the American League. That would give him two top three MVP finishes in, in uh, the last three years, which I believe only what, like in recent history, Jose R Ramirez did it. I think he got three out of four in the top three. Uh, Trout, I think, yeah, I mean, of course, Trout got there. Uh, trying to think, did a guy like Betts ever get two, uh, two out of three top threes? Yeah, okay. So, you know, it's pretty good company. And when it's Marcus Simeon, we usually aren't including his name in those talks. But is it time that we crown this guy as an elite player? And I know you look at his past hitting numbers, and it's not good. But the value that he brings to your team just seems like it's tremendous compared to most players. And somehow he doesn't put up the godly hitting numbers, but still brings a tremendous value. Look, I certainly think he brings a ton of value. I think he's an amazing player. I think he probably should be our Hall of Fame pick. I agree. But, but I think the term of the superstar, put, crowning him in that light of the Betzes, of the high, super ridiculous high-value guys, it's thrown around a little too much. Because but, there are lots of guys who can do that for – three four years there's another thing to be able to do it for seven eight twelve years yeah no that's and that's true that's a lot of what we're seeing we've seen with tony rendon one of the hey biggest, tony one of the biggest disappointments of this last year maybe even you could say even last the year before last tony. is the fact that he had that great year he had another solid year last year and, and solid years before that and all of a sudden, he's not repeating. And if he doesn't keep repeating, everybody's going to say he's necessarily a bust. I'm not sure that's the case. I think that's more a fact of him getting put into too high a caliber, him being held to too high a standard, rather than him not performing up to what he's capable I agree. That's Tony. Uh, but Tony also did have a stretch there, LJ, where you could argue he was one of those. Yeah, like it wasn't seven years, but he had a five-year stretch where he was he 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 was a guy. And by I know I I think everyone knows what I mean by a guy. I mean, you know, he was a guy. He was for six for, for six Four years. years. All right, I'm like kind of skipping the 2015 season, like 2014 and then 2016 through 2019. He was a guy. Oh, you see, I would call if we're a big if sample. If we are going to, I guess what I would consider him 20, 2017 through 2020 is was his peak. 
was the part of his career where he was among the best. That's not enough to necessarily call a guy a superstar. Because before well, like, that, we're doing all right, great. Here, here's the question. How many players do we label superstar? Because I can think of about 10 that I would be fine labeling that. So are the top 10 players in the league superstars? Are the top 15? Like, where does it go? Because, wait, do I have to do a little game here where I fire off a few names and we see how we how we do it? Because we have yes, a little but, bit of time. Yes, but first, before you say that, before we do a couple of those, I do want to say, I'm not sure exactly what the name of that is, that what the answer to that is. All I know is it's too many. Fair. All right, so we'll. So I'll stick with just position players, at least to start. All right, let's get the obvious ones out of the way. We're saying Trout. Yep. Betts. Yep. Tatis. Yep. Um, Soto. Yes. Acuna. Yes. Trey Turner. No. Hold on. Ooh. Okay. Um. Laddie or no? Otani, yeah. Um, You're going way too fast here. We're trying to throw sorry, it sorry. here. This is exactly why we have such a large superstar category. <laughs> um, we're back. We're I'm still back at Trey Turner. Looking at it, I'm definitely saying no. Okay, fair enough. Fair. Specialization. Fair. It's not eye-catching numbers for years. What was the next guy who said? Uh, I said Trey Turner, and then I said uh, Vladdy. Or no, I said Acuna. You'd already said Vladdy. I'll go back. I don't, I don't think I have that much of an issue with Acuna. Okay. Vladdy, Vladdy, it's too early for me, so we can shelve him. Okay. Um, I feel like I'm missing someone, like, stupid obvious here. Um, oh, are we considering Jose Ramirez there? Because he's had another year where he's – I mean, n- now you see his stats. He, my, my gut is yes, however I'm looking. Okay. I'm looking at it. My, my gut was telling me yes, and now that I looked, at, I'm still like- – my gut is almost telling me. Yes. All right. I got uh, Bryce, Bryce Harper. Cringe on Jose Ramirez. And it's mainly because it's a matter of like, if he were to go into next, if his next season is a clunker, I'm not sure you call him a superstar. Fair. No, that's that's fair. Um, how about Bryce Harper? Yeah, right. Yes. Okay. Um, all right, so that was how many hitters, though? <laughs> we haven't even uh, – not even 10. LJ, you're not going to believe who's number one when you look up the past three calendar years. Who do you think is number one in war? I don't know. Marcus Siff. 15.2. The next closest is Betts with 14.6. Xander Bogarts, 14. Oh, yeah, Xander Bogarts. Yeah, I'll throw him on there. That makes sense. Marcus Simeon. Yeah. We're in agreement? Great. 
All right. Uh, well, I believe that that is just about all the time we have Ooh. for today's show. Um, quick update before we go. Why do I not be on if they blow tomorrow if they blow this? Uh, yes, the Red Sox are indeed up seven to two. Your mic cut out a little bit, but yes, uh, if the Red Sox do not end up holding on to this lead, uh, I'll, I will take tomorrow's show. I'll say that right now. So, uh, LJ, I will give you the day off if the Red Sox lose <laughs> because it's 1.30 in the morning and I know that you're going to watch it right when I end this. So, uh, yeah. But thank you all for listening. Uh, check us out, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at MLB Daily Pod, and uh, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow. See you mañana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.